So he has agreed to take another apprentice. A barbarian, no less. A man who we will deliver to the Count with all of the training and skill an assassin can possess. This warrior must have no loyalty to Dooku. He will be our pawn. Yes. Yes. We will use our magics to manipulate his assassin. And then the time is right. Dooku will pay for his betrayal with his life. You will go to the far side of Dathomir and find the men. You will select the most suitable candidate. One with your strength and skill. One we can use to our advantage. Yes, Mother. There's over 150 hours of Star Wars on film. This is the Star Wars Binge, where we select, order, and elevate the best 40 hours of the Star Wars canon. My name is Jeff Cook. I teach philosophy at UNC, and in Denver, Colorado, is the Andy Mothershed. Playwright, comedian, and pop culture enthusiast. This is true. This is the sound of my voice. How's it going, Mothershed? It is going very well. We are tackling an episode with the theme that uh, the more that I'm thinking about it not really very common, and I'm kind of shocked by this. Uh, this episode eventually ends in a sleeper agent. Mm. The sleeper agent being the person on one side who infiltrates the other side and is given some, uh, some authority, some trust, some power. The only thing that like, really jumps to my mind right now is, and I think we've already talked about him in an episode, but Severus Snape in the, in the Harry Potter series is sort of like a double sleeper agent. Yeah. Back and forth with loyalty and partnerships, and, and um, he's the first person that comes to mind for me. Snape came, was the first one that came to my mind as well, of all things. The, the only other one I could think of was out of a Tom Clancy movie. Mm. In, uh, or not even movie, it was in a book. In Executive Order, there's a character who is part of the Secret Service and is kind of moving towards, you know, assassinating the president at some point. Well, that's every Tom Clancy novel, isn't it? <laughs> Man makes a lot of money off that same story. If you can find something that works <laughs> and continue to, to if, if, if you can continue to milk that cow for as long as you can, I actually applaud people who can do that. <laughs> like Sharknado 8. <laughs> I, this might be wrong because I don't follow that crap very diligently. I uh -huh. thought I saw an image for an, a, the next Sharknado movie, and it was a shark in outer space. And I was like, yeah, that's right. Okay. That's the that's, next logical. <laughs> which would just, I've said for years that I'm terrified of the ocean and would go to outer space beforehand. But the minute we find out that there are sharks in outer space, <laughs> we can send only the millionaires there, and that's fine. I have no desire <laughs> to be in space if there are sharks there. <laughs> I, we've talked about this, how the, the progression of stories of this sort, it goes from power uh, on Earth to outer space to magic to time travel. This is... This, to, the, to fish. To, the, to, scariest, to the scariest thing of all. <laughs> Says me. Well, just because it's my, my way, I suppose in Star Wars, I can't think of any uh, sleeper agents except for the misstep of not just going ahead and doing the Darth Jar Jar. 
but I've already talked about this in previous podcasts and so don't want to... George Lucas is the sleeper agent? Yeah. Perhaps rightly or wrongly, certainly adjusted when uh, we got to the attack of the clones. Yoda was the buffoon by the side of the road. Jar Jar's the buffoon by the side of the road, but Jar Jar infiltrates the Jedi. And uh, I mean, in theory, mm-hmm. is set up to do some damage. Misa proposed that the Senate give immediately emergency powers to the Supreme Chancellor. But that's for another day, I suppose. I guess, I guess we could argue that Anakin is a little bit of a sleeper agent. Maybe not fully. He's a sleeper agent, but he doesn't even fully know it. It kind of feels like where it's just like he's been he's been yeah. kind of slowly worked on by his proximity to to Palpatine, and and all that stuff is sort of in there it just hasn't fully been awoken um it just yeah. needs the right thing to bring it out much like uh the song relax uh, to the sleeper agent Derek zoolander <laughs> do not be distracted by the beautiful celebrities do as you've been trained to do and kill the malaysian prime minister i suppose if we go down that road then the clones are certainly yes. sleeper agents of a different sort so I mean, this like, whole thing is about about that. I hadn't thought about that. That idea of soldiers is really interesting, and again, just makes me want to drop Black Widow spoilers all over the place. But that concept of of soldiers and storytelling and the and the loss of your own identity and sense of self mm-hmm. to a further degree like that is just fascinating for me. Well, there is some of that. I mean, we've seen some of that in the MCU. If, for those who haven't seen Black Widow yet, that she, what, she's making body modifications to show loyalty. Yeah. Uh, sh- um. Well, let me let me say it from non-spoiler side. In Ultron, she is sterilized. Yeah, that is true. And I forgot about that. So there's that that side of things. But the, there's. Something I assume that's somewhat of a loyalty test. You you can't love something else. Well, they they actually don't. That this movie and this isn't a spoiler. This is just horrific. But the the film sets up the this all happens to them when they're like nine, right? So it's even more. You've got zero control over anything. Yeah, of yourself. So I, yeah, they, they it's interesting stuff. That's a good villain taking very young people and doing things that make them feel lifelong loyalty to you that they will have to wrestle with later in traumatic ways. This would be a perfect, <laughs> I'm going to send you $30 right now so you can rent it on Disney plus and watch it. There you go. I'll watch it with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, for everybody who is, uh, we could say it this way for everyone who has seen black widow already, the clone wars episode, Am I right? we're tackling today. Monster <laughs> is going to have a lot a lot of overlap, apparently. <laughs> so we are on season three, episode 13. This is the second episode in the Night Sisters arc. Uh, fun fact, this arc is written by one Katie Lucas. I noticed that. I, th- I thought that was cool. She is the adopted daughter of George. Brings a lot of fresh creativity. This whole arc is, it's Star Wars, but it is, it's got a lot of stuff that's very different. Yeah, it does not feel like... Much as the first episode in this arc didn't, yep. it does not feel like the Star Wars we have we have come up uh, loving, right? Which I really dug. I mean, yeah, I've said that a lot on this podcast that this show 
this show does a really excellent job of showing new worlds and new facets of characters and the Star Wars universe that we never got to see. And that's been one of my favorite things about it. The way that Filoni expands Star Wars is very different from what we see in the sequel trilogy. Sequel trilogy has force users doing all sorts of new force abilities, projecting themselves or being able to pass items through space and time. Which is cool. Just, I mean, we'll say that is cool. But Filoni goes with, there's there's going to be some stuff we see in Rebels that's more about jumping around in the in time. And then here we're bringing in the magic. And there, there's a lot more. Uh, we're we're gonna see this with the Mortis arc coming up. I'm really excited to talk to you about this because it's it's kind of a like you think we're getting away from traditional Star Wars here. <laughs> like we're gonna go some places, and 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 it becomes much more uh, the Mortis arc, which we'll we'll cover in probably three or four arcs from now, is much more metaphysical in terms of this is really the backbone of the entire galaxy and how the Force functions Ooh, and so cool we're getting away we're getting away from metachlorians and we're going back to something approaching more theological and uh so there's some, uh, i i think feloni is much more comfortable in those spaces and well, it kind of comes out here it seems like that's the intelligent way to do these stories i think we've talked about this on yep. pod with the marvel universe but i think both star wars and the marvel universe do this kind of stuff really, really well, where it's like, start with the basics, the stuff that we can wrap our brains around, like Iron right. Man or, you know, Jedi Knights. And then as you move the story along, like with the Marvel Universe, now we're doing weird quantum stuff. Now we have a multiverse. Now we have witches and wizards and uh, other beings. And, and Star Wars has done that too. And I think it's it's all weird stuff, but some stuff feels more believable than others. So it's just a really smart way to lay down the track true before your train gets before we the audience as the train get to it so they're laying all the track and we can just kind of go along and we don't realize that that slowly there's a different type of track that we've turned a corner on i think that metaphor yep. makes sense no it does there's uh you're just building you're building complexity yeah um like i don't get into harry potter and and but i want to jump ahead in the story and then all of a sudden there's <laughs> these demon spirits and they're making sounds and i don't understand what's going on i'm like i, th I think it was the case that they were little kids at a, a school with uh with some wands last time i had checked in but the if you if you do pay attention well, they were <laughs> they were slightly less little kids in the in the one with the the robed monster dementors they're still in a school right? they just you they know, are needed They're, the school needed to be guarded with extreme force what could that be a metaphor for <laughs> it was the now now that we're talking about it the level of complexity is not all that obscene but you do go into some other worlds like that what uh, again this is me as a complete uh you know newbie they're they're going to banks. They're going into the world of the wizards. It's not just the school, but you know how does this economy work? How does the how does the media operation work? How to what 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 is actually being fought for in terms of? They're not just fighting over the school. They're they're fighting over much bigger things. Yeah, and they do it really. I think she does it really well in the the books, and they do it okay in the movies. But because um, in the first one, you get to see a little bit of the world that Harry's never seen before in in that he gets to go into sort of a, a, a tavern and then they go to this yeah. shop street and they go into a bank. But it's all very quick. 
but we get to see it. So then as the books go on and we suddenly delve more and more into it, it's like, ah, we've been given a primer of this at the beginning because most of us read them when we were in like fourth grade. At least that's when I started. Right. Um, so by the time you're a teenager and you're seeing some of the other more advanced feels like the wrong word, but sure. I mean, it's, advanced it's the more ma- mature yeah. adult top. It's not adult, but it, it's the adult world of that universe. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Bang. And you've been, you've been set up to get there without really knowing, which is the best way to, you know, we've talked about show, not tell a lot on this podcast. And I think that's the best way to do that. <clears throat> yeah. And that's going to be, uh, in large measure, what's happening here. It's going to get a lot more complicated as we're as we're moving forward, both in terms of the political side, in terms of the your relationship to your religious tradition, and what it looks like, you know, for governments to fall apart. And that that's that's some stuff. And a complete work of fiction. <laughs> Right. Well, the proverb this time is evil is not born, it is taught. Any thoughts on the proverb to start us off? In in 2018, I was really fortunate to help produce and also be in a production of Frankenstein, an adaptation of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. And that particular adaptation really leaned into the notion that no one is born a monster. The creature isn't created and isn't a monster. Yeah. It is because it is othered and abused and <clears throat> treated like there's something wrong with it from from day one that it slowly becomes a, not a self-fulfilling prophecy, but a sort, sort of a fulfilled curse from other people that it turns becomes a monster and i think i think we see that in this episode and i think i think obviously the story of frankenstein does that really really well and and i think we kind of see that a little bit in life like if you if you treat people if you push people to the outskirts of society and tell them they're monsters that's the kind of life they might gravitate towards to protect themselves because we have spent all this time saying you are something of which to be distrusted and feared at what point, what can you do other than become that? Right. That's that's where my mind went to is it, this feels like something out of a philosophy from hundreds of years ago. It's more of a renaissance. You know, humanity is born amazing. We are godlike, and yet to go down the path of darkness is going to require work. Yeah, something happens to get you there. Worthwhile storytelling on this front because like the last episode where we saw Ventress's traumatic upbringing, we're going to see another character who experiences significant trauma. It's going to send him perhaps towards a dark place. Perhaps. Well, the narrator begins. Obeyed for revenge. Betrayed and left for dead by Count Dooku. Asajj Ventress has begun a deadly game with her former master, launching a secret assassination attempt against him with the help of her kin, the mysterious Night Sisters. Deceived into believing the Jedi are behind the recent attack, Dooku has traveled across the galaxy to enlist the Night Sisters in his quest for vengeance. Dun, dun, dun. And we see images from the last episode, and we see Dooku's yacht-like starship arriving on Dathomir. And this ship, by the way, was a gift from Poggle the Lesser. I didn't know this. <laughs> Looked up a few more details. And as he arrives, we see the Night Sisters surrounding the ship, kind of like a company of ninjas. Yeah. Assassins. 
I love those sorts of characters. I don't know if we mentioned it before, but um, there is a Justice League movie. Well, it's called Flashpoint Paradox. You know, we've seen some of the Wonder Woman stuff with the what the um, Amazons, but in that cartoon, they just nail it. They make them much more like this. They make them much more athletic, much more ninja-like, and much more like Tolkien's elves oh, bouncing yeah. around in, in just a just tremendous characters see when i rewatched again when i to just say when i rewatched it today i thought of the black widow initiative having just seen that i was like oh oh it's all these women look at that ah there you go but that isn't a spoiler that is just that is that is commonly known from her story and and the trailer so that i'm not i'm not spoiling anything but i definitely thought oh look at that that's cool and this is something especially with katie lucas being the writer here getting women talking about female power female expressions of power really comes out in this this episode um even power abused by females which uh is worth talking about which i'll bring up later the dooku steps out confidently mother tells him come dooku come we have much to discuss I enjoy that throughout these scenes with Mother Talzin and Dooku, Dooku is always very pushy and kind of in charge, yet there's mm-hmm. no moment where he has the power with this character. Yeah. And there's never any like struggle for it. I just was, it was interesting to me that uh, a, a character like Dooku that is very regal and, and a little bit dismissive of other people, like doesn't get to do that here. And we don't see that struggle. It just is sort of known. I think that was, I think that's something super interesting about the character of Mother Talzin that she commands that. True. We haven't brought up this character, but the relationship here feels like Tywin Lannister and what's her name? The Mother of Thorns, the, uh, Oleana Tyrell. Yes. Their relationship of older seasoned wise characters, it strikes me a lot like this. A Tywin's smarter than Dooku, but. <laughs> and more brave. <laughs> but if it, it has the same kind of, eh, same sort of feeling to me in terms of watching their banter. Yeah, there's like a, there's like a mutual, there's both mutual respect, but also mutual dislike very clearly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In both Game of Thrones and this. Impossible. Why? My grandson is the pride of High Garden, the most desirable bachelor in all seven kingdoms. Your daughter is rich, the most beautiful woman in all seven kingdoms, and the mother of the king. Old. Old? Old. I'm something of an expert on the subject. It's like you're you're not coming with anything I haven't seen before. I know exactly what you're motivated by, and I'm not into it. And so feel free to butter me up all you want to. Nobody's falling for this, so let's just cut to... Yeah, you're in my house. <laughs> business. Yeah, that's exactly it. You were in my house. Tell Dooku it was me. <laughs> <laughs> well, they step into her lair, which is burrowed in the cliffs. This feels like a mixture between Lothlorien... In the Fellowship of the Ring and Petra, which we see at the end of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, to me, <laughs> you know what I mean? There, I do. I, the, I yeah. Outside, it's got the Petra feel. It's this face, uh, this castle carved into the side of the cliff. Yeah, like but once a, you get inside, it's it's dark, elvish, 
underworld kind of stuff going on. Yeah, and it's it, like you would think the inside of that would need to feel more like to, to just continue the Lord of the Rings analogy, like the Mines of Moria or something like that. Just yeah. also very dark and very carved and whatever. But it almost feels the interior of this layer almost feels alive in and of itself. Like as they talk, yeah. you hear like whispering and like kind of moving around yeah. them. It's it's pretty fascinating. Agreed. Yeah, there's like pools of uh, energy, light. Yeah, the, well, it's like yeah, it's like liquid that's illuminating, and then there's these organic-looking light posts throughout that that feed light into the space, and it is both beautiful and again, it's unsettling. I think for me as a viewer, it's like this is a new environment where I'm not quite comfortable here, but she's real comfortable. All of her hench women are comfortable you know? yeah 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 definitely all the night sisters you definitely think gosh if you're gonna go in there you want to have your like wits about you because feels like everything here is alive and can probably hurt you right and wants to which dooku does not by the way thank you for receiving me sister i believe the old alliance can again be what it once was you would only have to pledge your clan's allegiance to the Separatists' cause. We could certainly use the powers of the Night Sisters against the Jedi. Such a generous offer, Count. By the way, the Count didn't offer anything. He just said, you can pledge all of your allegiance to me and we will use all of your resources, powers, You're, you will become ours. Yes, but I also took it as kind of a pathetic beg as well. Like he's trying to be like, oh, all you have to do is do this. But really, it's like you you are all powerful, and I need this. So please, yeah. I mean, you'd have to obviously work for me, but please, can you do the thing? <laughs> can Can you come work for me? I don't have a. I'm not going to pay you anything. Yeah, just, I, I literally well, have nothing to give you, but I also need everything that you have. But I'm sort of powerful. Well, the, I, my <laughs> friends are powerful, so you know you don't have a choice. <laughs> So he's just kind of pathetic. That's what it is. I suppose he's offering the old alliance can be what it once was. I don't know what that means, but apparently that would be what they're getting paid, whatever that ends up meaning. Weird, translucent pools of alive liquid. Right. Well, Towson says, But our loyalty is reserved for only each other. The only reason I am aiding in your search for a new assassin is because long ago, you chose to help me. After this matter is resolved, I hope our paths never cross again. Hell yeah. As you wish, sister. Again, she's the one with the power in this situation. Like he, he's, he's Count Dooku. Darth Tyrannus has the power of the Federation behind him. Also yeah. Darth Sidious, and she, all she says is no, and he doesn't get, you know, he doesn't blast her with lightning or pull out his lightsaber or anything. He's, he's just like, okay. <laughs> like, there's no, it's great. It establishes her, her power, her self-confidence, just... I'm just not that into you, <laughs> you know? And you know what? For everything, all the all the smack we've talked about, Dooku, he takes no for an answer. Yeah. Admirable. As you wish. Admirable. That's right. Bare minimum for decency, and he's done it. <laughs> suppose as you wish is a very common Vader <laughs> line towards the Emperor, so this might be a, I understand who uh, who's in charge here. Mm-hmm. 
Is it the case that this is further proof that Dooku is clumsy and not very good at rising to Sidious's level? Yes. <laughs> what hit me watching this is this might be one of the reasons that Sidious chooses Dooku. Oh, yeah, you can push him around. Yeah. He's powerful enough. It's the Peter principle that he can only rise so far to his maximum level of incompetence, you know? Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> and there it is. We talked about that, I think, with TJ a, a few episodes back. We did, yeah. I think we. I think it was. I think it was about Dooku. We were. We were. <laughs> was I it? believe it was. We, it we had a long conversation about him. That's some sneaky upper level thinking. It's like I need a henchman who can get it done, but he, the henchman cannot be powerful enough to dethrone me <laughs> or to realize that they're being duped and taken advantage of. Yeah, there it is. Because yeah. because a because a smart enough person is going to look at that and be like, well, hang on, this is no way to treat somebody. I'm not doing this. True. Where somebody who just wants power is just going to be like, oh, God, look at the things I've been given and opportunity. Yep. Remind me, as an example of somebody who has a loyalty test, Dooku had a loyalty test in the last episode with Ventress. She's very important to me. That's right. Well, we move into a dark dining room with orange lighting and stone walls. Talzin constructs a goblet with magic that appears before Dooku. Three. For all the, for all of our talk of him being a coward, I would not have drank that. No, and he does so good for him. I would not have. <laughs> he didn't watch the Princess Bride. But only a great fool would reach for what he was given. Only a fool drinks some magic crap that's been conjured out of thin air and like not even given a description of what it was. You must gather your strength after such a long journey. Thank you. Black root. To replenish the body. Doesn't sound suspicious at all. <laughs> that's right. Oh. Do you know where Black Root's from? Uh, no. Some kind of tree? It's from Willow. It's from another Lucas property. In Oh my gosh. Willow, you'll perhaps remember when Mad Mardigan is given the baby. Yeah. And... Uh, Willow comes over, where are you doing? And he's like, I'm feeding her black root. And he says, black root? You never give a baby black root. He says, it puts hair on their chest. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> she's a Laura Dannon, the future empress of Terrace Lane. And the last thing she's going to want is a hairy chest. <laughs> Boy, that's a good deep cut. I, I couldn't tell you the last time I watched Willow, but now I want to. Did you see what he did? He stole our black root. I'll get some more. Don't worry about it. That was a, a worthwhile yeah. movie-going experience. I remember seeing that with my mom at the Centennial Theater in Denver, Colorado, which is the largest movie theater west of the Mississippi there for a while. Oh, that's just awesome. enormous. And just a, I, I just remember that as a fond memory of my mom. So Yeah. Oh, that's great. Also, I mean, Warwick Davis is phenomenal in that movie. Truth. He, he, is, uh, he is such an unappreciated talent. Like He is always top-notch in Star Wars and everything. Also, very underrated. I went down the Val Kilmer uh, rabbit hole with this quote, and I was like, I, "This is a place." Val Kilmer was in that you know top ten actors around there for a while, and this is just one of those movies that he's never really mentioned for. But I really enjoy this character. Yeah, no, he's great in that. Great Bruce Wayne, not a great Batman, but he's a pretty he's a pretty good Bruce Wayne. 
That's a that's a good distinction. I mean, the only one who's been asked back is Michael Keaton. Just just saying, <laughs> and rightly so. Yeah, to show that that is really interesting. Actually, I'm sure there's dynamics there in terms of how should we think about that. But I think Michael Keaton might be the only one you could bring back in my mind as if he has the gravitas to fill that space. Yeah. No knock on Clooney or, you know, no. Homer, who are both fantastic actors. But Clooney was, a, by Clooney's own admission, he was a terrible <laughs> Batman. Even Clooney <laughs> says that. Clooney got set up for failure <laughs> in that movie. Uh, well, on this front, though, with the Black Root, is she drugging him prior to a conversation she's going to have? I, I don't know, because it never feels like... What is she getting out of that? Because not you know you know nothing happens really. Yeah. So I don't well, think so. I don't know. She, she's setting him up. Well, I mean, we can go to the dialogue. Let's go to the dialogue, and I'll, I'll come back to that. You have heard of the Sith warrior Darth Maul, have you not? Yes. He was slain on Naboo at the hand of Obi Wan Kenobi. A few still remain in his bloodline. The men dwell on the far side of Dathomir. What if I could provide another of his kind? A warrior of the same caliber? Yes, but I warn you, men are easy to acquire, hard to control. There's <laughs> the lyrics to a Madonna song. <laughs> For me, this is Mother Talzin, again, showing that she's actually the creator of all these opening proverbs. <laughs> <laughs> Yale graduate Mother Talzin and her <laughs> English degree. Proverbial wisdom. <laughs> Dooku says, With my last assassin, Asajj Ventress, dead, and the Jedi's attacks against me increasing, procuring a new personal assassin is essential. Very well. It shall be done, my lord. As we're going we're going to see this at the end of the episode, but this is at best only partially true. Dooku isn't worried so much about the Jedi attacking him. He wants an assassin for other reasons. Yeah, sure. I mean, I st I think it's probably 50-50. That guy is a coward and I think he does yeah. I think it's it's a both hands. I think it's probably maybe at different times those those two factions uh, outweigh each other, but I think it probably goes back and forth between I can use this guy to eke out my secret desires, but also I'm really I I suck and a lot of people want to kill me, so I think it probably <laughs> there's a sliding scale of value of those two things. I suppose it does show you the quality <laughs> difference between Sidious and Dooku. That Sidious is looking for the same thing, but he's been grooming Anakin for years. Yeah. Sidious is just like, what, there's a used car? I need transportation. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm going to trust this person who's clearly untrustworthy to provide <laughs> my right-hand person. It's a used car? something that see that it, it's a it takes one to know one because I, this is exactly what i would do it's like I'm, I'm really desperate right now for some help do you know anybody who might you know be able to oversee my my financial 
business arrangements. I'm kind of looking for somebody. And you're just like, you know, <laughs> not that guy selling the farm yeah, just, okay. or just opening yourself up to attack. That's more what I mean. Well, yeah. that's actually why I mean, is she drugging him? I mean, it seems oh. like he's wide open for attack. If at this point in time, if he actually moves forward here. I guess to me, I I saw this as just more she's she's going over the top in being hospitable in this moment and and really spending a decent amount of time talking up how they could help him. And to me, it just to me it just felt like she's doing that to put him at ease and be like, look how look how willing we are to serve you and give you the thing that you want to make you feel safe. But I guess there could be a drugging element to sort of even just sort of calm him down or make him more susceptible. I, I don't know. I didn't. Maybe a different, here's a different take on it. The black root drink might be poisoned. The receiving this new apprentice might be poisoned. Maybe something like that. Maybe. I'm making stuff up now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why not? The internet does it. We see Dooku leaving. And Asajj steps forth from behind a pillar, and she says, So he has agreed to take another apprentice. A barbarian, no less. A man who we will deliver to the Count with all of the training and skill an assassin can possess. This warrior must have no loyalty to Dooku. He will be our pawn. Yes. Yes, we will use our magics to manipulate his assassin. And then the time is right. Dooku will pay for his betrayal with his life. You will go to the far side of Dathomir and find the men. You will select the most suitable candidate. One with your strength and skill. One we can use to our advantage. Yes, mother. Bang. Lot exposition there. Also, just, again, I mean, the thing that hits me there is Dooku is acting out of fear, and fear is making him clumsy. And it's just, it's almost shown here how easy this is going to be. Yeah. This isn't, <laughs> this isn't a very complicated plan that's probably going to work. No, it really isn't. But but also there's a little bit of uh, vengeful, arrogant blindness, I feel like, that's also happening with these characters, too. It's like they feel like this is going to be so easy. It's a good call. And nothing is ever that easy. You can have a person who willfully, boldly, and flagrantly is breaking the law and then perhaps gets on a social media platform and says, I have just broken the law. And you think, oh, well, it's going to be easy to... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Subdue this, and then it doesn't happen. I think well, you got to be careful. It can give a little, little bit more of a plan and don't get so caught up and be like, it's going to be easy. Get Got him. Hypothetically speaking. <clears throat> Hypothetically. That's true. I mean, turn, tune in next week, and we'll see how, even though they have all the, the pieces in place, it still may or may not work. So the fear opening you up to... Self-destruction is all over Star Wars. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's Anakin's story. And that's the story also of the Jedi Council. The the fear that they can't hold the Republic together 
opening them up to receiving the clones in the same way. They're receiving these clones who are going to who are sleeper agents. And that's one of the things we talked about in in um, part one of the Lost Ones episode that we released. The idea that fear sort of if you're acting out of fear, it can almost bring about and create the future you're afraid of. Yeah. That's a ancient tale right there. Right. It's not the tragic flaw, but that is, what is that? Uh, it's the Oedipus movement of, I'm trying so hard to avoid the destruction that was foretold that I end up destroying the people who I didn't want to destroy. Yeah. Yeah, that, that one's the extreme case. Right. They do that in the Game of Thrones. They do that in the books. There's, a, I mean, that's a, a game. well that comes out in the MCU with. Uh, I was going to say Tony with the dream and him creating Ultron and the rest. Well, Asajj puts on her mask, looking like a deaf ninja. She gets in a speeder, goes to the camps where the Zabraki men are raised. We get to see the landscape of Dathomir, which looks like a briar patch on Mars. <laughs> There's a racist rabbit running around in the background somewhere. <laughs> That's that's well played. Asajj pulls into a village of about 50 all men who look at her as though they know she's trouble. And we see men practicing combat in the village square. To be fair, she shows up wearing like a ninja suit. (laughs) And half of her face is obscured. It's not one of those looks that's like... I mean, there's 50 dudes who are apparently warriors. It's not like they're like, here's a lady. She showed up looking like a sexy Robin Hood. Yeah, I, I think 50 dudes would say sexy Robin Hood, but they look like, oh, crap. They're, they've come for us again. Like, they know that these women can kick their asses. <laughs> yeah, it, it does have that feeling of like, like in the in any King Kong iteration where where there's the groups of people that they feed to Kong because it needs a sacrifice. And like, they just know like, mm-hmm. oh, God, I shit, it's my time. You know, like, it, it feels like that. At some point, one of us is going to be taken. Guess we got to draw straws again for... <laughs> See who gets taken by the sexy Robin Hood. That's right. It's a, I mean, speaking of black widows, there's, there is some, some of that going on with their practices. I cannot, I cannot speak to that. <laughs> well, these are the Knight Brothers. Inishi arrives, everyone turns, and the leader steps forward. This is Brother Viscus, who will call everyone in the village to attention. This guy, this guy looks like Darth Maul, but is not. I didn't even find him particularly interesting. He's he's another guy that just feels like yeah. middle middle management who has power because someone said he could. Yeah, like a almost like a Polonius, where it's like, yeah, you're talking a decent amount and you seem like you're important, but what is it that you do? This above all. To thine own self be true. And it must follow as the night the day. Thou canst not then be false to any man. Hmm? Yeah, that's it. You're level six bad guy. And level 20 just showed up on a speeder. Yeah. Ah, welcome, sister. I have come for the selection. Yes, yes, of course. Line up. Heads of each tribe, line up for the sister. And then we see a new character. This is Savage, who says to his brother, Pharaoh, try not to draw attention to yourself. That won't be a problem for me, Savage. I mean, they, yeah. <laughs> Tells you, really, all you need to know, there's a lot of utility of language here. Mm-hmm. 
Savage cares about his brother. Farrell is exceedingly insecure. <laughs> yes. I was going to say, on, on this character, I feel like it is worth pointing out that the voice actor of, of Savage on. is one Clancy Brown, who is a phenomenal voiceover film and, and, and screen, as, as like scene as well, uh, film and, and screen actor. He's crazy talented. A villain in the what I think is the best movie ever made. The Shawshank Redemption? That would be correct. Ba-boom! He is Captain Hadley. Oh, well, and I mean, forgive me, God, it's, he's Soltar and Thor Ragnarok. There you go with the voice acting. Yeah, he, he has, uh, for, for a certain generation of listeners, he's Mr. Krabs in, uh, in uh, SpongeBob SquarePants. There it is. Actually, I, d- I did do the dive on Clancy Brown here. His IMBD is, is nuts. enormous. And it wouldn't be me talking in this podcast without saying, also happened to be Lyndon Johnson in season four of The Crown. Ah, I didn't know this. Mm-hmm. He's, that guy shows up in literally everything. Uh, he was in The Mandalorian. That's right. He's one of the... The bounty hunter pirate guys. Yeah. Let's see your face, Mandalorian. I can't think of the character name, but he's with like Bill Burr and everybody. Yep. 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 Highlander. Is he in Highlander? He is. He's the bad guy in Highlander. <laughs> oh, there you go. I could see that for sure. Yeah. Don't see it. It's not worth going back to. <laughs> Three character introductions here. The first is Viscous. Again, as we said, middle management, overseer of the tribe, doesn't seem to have much power, uh, will eventually die in Jedi Fallen Order in uh, just kind of your middle management, and we're going to use you as a pawn plot device. Feral, right? who is, uh, you know, we're just used to seeing Darth Maul as the Zabraki. This is like the opposite side of Maul. <laughs> this wallflower desiring character who grows up in a warrior culture. That's a great way to say that. And then there's Savage. We're going to see most of Savage's, we're going to see a lot of, Savage here in the next two episodes. So, anything that I say about him moving forward is all going to be spoilers. But obviously, this they're kind of setting these two up to be principal characters here in this episode. So. I, and I, just to say, I didn't last time. I have now watched the full arc of this, so I am, oh, okay, I am all the way prepared. Bang! It's a good arc. It really is. I thought just a, just a side note on this. The I think you make this into a uh, into a film. And it would work really well as, I mean, if you imagined like an MCU style, if there, if there were 20 Star Wars movies out there, this would be a great little offering origin story continuation of some of the, the characters here. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, we'll, we'll get to it next week, but the, the lightsaber battles in the episode next week are phenomenal. Really good stuff, yeah. So Asajj begins looking over the troop. What a fine looking specimen. But looks aren't everything. She strangles a guy. <laughs> Too small. Punches a guy in the face. Too weak. Punches a guy in the gut. These will do. This this whole se- I was I meant to say this a second ago. Like they just have them yeah. line up to be selected. It's just such a um Everything about this stuff and this group of people is villainous and horrible. Like these are living mm-hmm. beings that are sort of trotted out like 
a, a garage sale or, you know, I mean, I mean, essentially we, we, we kind of continued to talk about so many of the villains in these stories being enslaved by various incendiary things. That's all this is to me. Yep. And it's, it's, it's so brutal. Like she, she, Asajj Ventress is just so like, who's the, you know, this episode is called monster. Who's the monster in this, in this episode? I think, I think that's exactly what it is. I think there's meant to be a double meaning here for sure. And that's right. There is, we talked extensively about boot camp in our episode on clone cadets, but this has kind of a boot campy feel to me if, if boot camp was, had, you know, no morals at all and it was just abusive. There's, I don't know if you are a fan of, we've talked about Schwarzenegger movies before, but there's a Conan the Barbarian kind of feel to right. this where we have 50 potential warriors. We just want one you other 49 are expendable in terms of us getting the prize at the end yeah creating that culture is both obscene and it it showcases the monster it showcases the obscenity of the culture yes sir well signaling to the rest of the crew Ventress says hit And him. These men are to your liking, sister? Yes. Now for the tests. There will be three of them. Whoever survives will be my champion and go on to serve me. Understood? Yes, yes sister. sister. Excellent. Let the games begin. It's again the case, real similar to clone cadets, that there are three things that they need to do to overcome in clone cadets. And I mean, that's just storytelling practice in some ways. But again, it's a this is this feels to me to be a darker opposite side of the coin to what we see in clone cadets. It's got like a Hunger Games feel to it to me. Like you got to you got to fight for your life to then go do something that is also pretty dangerous. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good way to put that. Or for a lighter uh, comparison, like in Shrek, right? When they gotta beat the crap out of everybody to then go fight the dragon. Some of you may die, but it's a sacrifice I am willing to make. Yeah, there's there's something to like modern reality TV programs that kind of has this feel. I remember there was a presidential debate a while back, and one of the candidates gets the first question and he just tears apart the guy who is likely, you know, 0.5% of the vote. Like just no chance this guy's going to win. But the candidate who got the first question is showing his power by tearing down the person nobody cares about. And I feel like that's a lot of what's going on here. Like Ventress comes in, a handful of these guys are just there for her to abuse so that the rest of them feel like, Oh man, she's got real, real power here. It just feels like it's showing up and saying, "I'm here both to find the one the the one guy that we need," kind of to remind all of you going forward that you're worthless and don't matter, and we're more powerful than you. Just keep that in mind too. Yeah, that is. I'm I'm listening to a podcast right now and about an an abusive boss in in religious world. Ooh. In, uh, Does he drive and, a Ferrari? 
<laughs> he doesn't, but he does get angry in meetings. And there's something about getting called out, torn apart in front of all of your colleagues. Like he picks on one person, but what ends up happening is it uh, intimidates everybody else. You know, yeah. So that next time, yeah, you don't want to be the one who gets your your head chopped off, yeah, so to speak, in in a in that board meeting next time. So you're going to be submissive. There's there's the social pressure that goes alongside that. There's the I I don't want to be abused side of that. The fear, yeah. It's just a that's just an ugly you know environment, corporate environment is what it really is to to be a part of. You kind of can believe, how do people turn into monsters? Oh, yeah, they spend their whole life getting the crap kicked out of them and told they're worthless, and then when they get the opportunity to get out of that, they have to they do it however they, however they can. Brings us back to the opening proverb right there. Exactly. <laughs> well, we cut to a high mountain mesa, and Asajj is surrounded by the Knight Brothers. We must be vigilant, Pharaoh. Aren't I always... I don't think he is, probably. He doesn't seem like that guy at all. Nope. This feels very Star Trek to me, this this whole scene. Yeah. Like you have this arena for people to battle each other and just felt very OG Star Trek. Yeah, again, Conan the Barbarian, a gladiator. Yeah. You go to a different world, and this is... we. You're seeing an alien race and how they do things, and it's simply not how we would do them necessarily. Is that... Yeah. What you mean by the mm-hmm. OG Star Trek? Yeah. Or a little, even a little bit of like, I thought of the movie Zulu. Like you look at the weapons that they're using. There's that training sequence in Zulu where they have the mm-hmm. the um, big, essentially big knives on those chains that are sheathed and mm-hmm. they're swinging them around. And then at, as the as the thing goes on, they remove the sheaths and they're just swinging knives around. Yeah. So it's training, but also like you could die in the training and that's the point of it. Right. There it is. That's what we see that at the beginning of uh, of the Bad Batch in some some measure. Mm-hmm. Well, Viscus from high above claps his hands to begin the first test, and warriors yell and charge at Ventress, and she begins just cutting them down with some kung fu precision. She's so calm. She force pushes Savage well away from the others and begins beating on Feral. She catches a spear <laughs> thrown from behind her, flips it, throws it back, impales the thrower. Oof. Just who she is. Savage stands, sees his brother in peril, and begins running back into the battle from the side, yelling, Peril! Brother, get up! The witch. Where is she? The camera turns. We see Ventress. She punches Savage in the head. Pathetic. Where are the warriors I came for? Is this all the power these men possess? Oof. You are what your record says you are. <laughs> all nine contestants are either beat up or dead. That's, that's how this first test went. Yeah. Not, not, uh, not great. Well, Viscus looks on, and there's a cut to a new test at night. And Asajj says, In order to fight against the Force, you must see what cannot be seen. Lights go out. Only four of you remain. Who will be the first to fall? (laughs) Which, Which, by the way, means she killed five people in that first test. Yeah. 
Well, everything goes dark, and Mentris is holding a wicked weapon. <laughs> with a, It's got like the scythe blade on a chain. In Japan, apparently, this is called the Kusarigama. It's one of the weapons, it, well, it looks like nunchucks. You were actually mentioning this weapon earlier. Oh, yeah, just in my in my <laughs> parallel to the film Zulu, like the, the weapon they're swinging around. Yeah, that's right. It's a, you don't want to be on the receiving end of that. No. Also, I don't know that I'd want to be the one to wield that. Yes. I feel like it would take so much like skill. I'd be afraid. Like, we've all picked up like a nunchuck at like a <laughs> Halloween store and swung it around and immediately pegged ourselves in the back of the head or the backside of the crotch. We we're like, oh, God, I shouldn't have done this. This is like the hard, most hardcore version of that. It's got a blade attached to it. It's entirely what I thought. I went on the YouTube. I was like, I want to see somebody who knows how to use this actually go for it i don't bet that's just terrifying they they are very cautious <laughs> they, they're like they standing are, back away from it like their arm is outstretched as far as they can <laughs> re, really different from those butterfly knife demonstrations where it's like <laughs> nope this thing they're 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 just swinging a little swing over here swing over there we're calling it good <laughs> don't want to get too cocky with that great kid don't get cocky more no thank you we've done enough speaking of don't get cocky out of conversation with a friend of mine this morning who wants to get a millennium falcon tattoo that doesn't say anything that's just kind of the outline and the message to her when she sees it is don't get cocky i love that actually that's that's uh that's kind of great the great mary claxton who I was may or may not be listening gonna ask if it was mary claxton <laughs> honest to god but i was like do we say her name on the podcast does she care but yeah of course it's her Go listen to uh, the fantastic Trash Cats on Spotify. Yes, yes, this please is, do. She she needs a said tattoo because she's a, a tremendous musician, and tremendous musicians uh, occasionally need such messages. <laughs> Don't get cocky. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ventress begins laughing, and we see one of the soldiers is picked off, not fast enough. A second is then decapitated. Oof. I think that Ventress knows maybe from the beginning who she's going after. If she if she, if she kills five and then she kills these two, there's only Feral and Savage who is you know left, and it's not like Feral's going to be her guy. Well, and I feel like they set that up. I mean, she keeps looking at Savage as she's walking around because you know he doesn't respond, and when when she speaks to them and they all respond, he does not respond, and she kind of mm. looks over and like. I feel like they they kind of showed us that that was coming in how they uh, blocked that, that initial scene where she meets all of them. That's a good, good word. Well, she comes at Feral, and Savage pushes him out of the way, yells, Show yourself! Ventress looks down on Savage, who is defending Feral. Good. The, I mean, that's right out of the Sidious... Uh, <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> we know what's going on here. Ventress isn't a Sith. She's an acolyte. She hasn't risen to the rank of a Sith, but there's something in the philosophy itself. This is how we determine power, how we take apprentices. It just feels like the goal for all, like her goal in this, Palpatine's goals with Anakin, and then Palpatine's goals with Luke is even Vader with Luke to some degree. It's like in these fights, it's not enough to just fight them. You have to bait them to the point of getting furious to then really expose the power of, of these people and then say like, see, I helped you with this 
get this rage out of you and that's where your power comes from and it's 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 gross and manipulative yeah she's already going to lesson one get emotional and use your emotions mm-hmm. yeah that's a good call and it's just like you said with the with the Sidious playbook that's just the Sidious playbook yep we see it all over Star Wars come on well the test ends with Savage in front of a frightened and outmatched feral and again it seems like Asajj Ventress knows exactly who's gonna win but there's still a third test so we cut to Viscous again on a high point overlooking a battlefield at night. Let the third and final challenge begin! There are only two of us left, brother. But only one will survive. No, not if I can help it. Stick together. We must work as a team. This again, I, I brought up Gladiator earlier, but that's a that's straight out of... Russell Crowe circling up the enslaved mm-hmm. in the arena. That may be an overstatement, but uh, that's just what that brings to mind when I when I watch it. Ventress is on a large building-sized pillar, and many more pillars begin elevating on the battlefield. Go. And the two venture into the maze and are separated. And Ventress picks off Feral, lifts him in a force choke. And then Savage enters, yelling, As long as I live, you will not harm him! Too late. <laughs> yeah. You should, he, should, he needed to shout this at the beginning of the thing, and maybe it wouldn't have happened, I guess. <laughs> right. They battle for a minute, and then Savage says, Please, spare him. Take me. It's again kind of a... I mean, here's love in Star Wars. This... I don't know if these two are lovers or if they are, if it's a brother. I assume it's a brotherly love, but... Yeah, I assume the brothers. This is a... This is a de- it feels... For whatever reason, it, it feels like a, a caring of a different sort to me. Oh. But that might just be... I don't, I don't... There's no reason I think this is a romantic love. It just feels... It just feels different to me. Yeah, I got... I got... I My... I got brothers was, was my... Bing. For a group of beings that are raised to be soldiers and and fighters this feels strange that you can be this i mean his name is savage for god's sakes but then also you can turn around and have this relationship with a brother that, that you're like yes i'm a i'm a warrior but don't kill my brother yeah because this this is an important person to me and i'm willing to sacrifice myself take the place you know that that's interesting, and I don't think we see that a lot with Star Wars characters. Savage has that natural, I'm the number two going on. And even with Feral, Feral is the one who's principally important to, to Savage. Later, it will be other characters who Savage ends up serving. And Savage, but Savage is always the number two. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. There's always a Harvey Corman. <laughs> Leave us. Feral steps aside, and Savage and Ventress begin hand-to-hand combat. Very technical. Feels like a Neo-Morpheus-style scene, which I'm sure steals from other kung fu movies. But Yeah. Savage is not altogether outmatched, but eventually Ventress gives him a roundhouse kick to the face, knocks him down, Oof. steps on his neck. Oof. My life is yours. Yes. It is. Apparently, this is what 
Ventress has wanted the whole time. I, yeah, and that's so clear, and it's just so twisted. Like, like what her goal of this was somebody to 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 not only surrender in a fight, but like surrender themselves entirely. Just yeah. it's oh, it's it's so gross and so evil and 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 well done. It's it's one thing to defeat someone; it's another to just totally shatter their will and have them commit the, their services to you. That's that's some next level Sith dysfunction, actually. Yeah. Well, we see Savage being taken away by Ventress on her bike, and it's worth noting the Star Wars trope here that you know the the bad guy is using the potential death of someone who seems heroic to turn that heroic person to the dark side. And Savage clearly has love for Feral. Mm-hmm. And Asajj weaponizes that against him. And we see that all over. Because all the dark side of the Force is all about emotions and fear. So, yeah, what, a, what better thing to weaponize than <laughs> somebody you care about? Anakin's love for his mom. Anakin's love for Padme. Trying to leverage Luke's love for his friends and then later his sibling. Maul tries to do it with Ahsoka in in the Siege of Mandalore episodes with with Anakin True. and so yeah it's it's all over the, these characters and just in terms of crystal ball looking forward I won't I won't be surprised at all if this is the test that one Grogu needs to undergo at some point as well oh that'd be yeah uh, which we've talked about some of the foreshadowing with there's a lot of Star Wars beats going on with that relationship in terms of what they're showing you mm-hmm. we'll see. So, yes, we will. We cut to a scene in front of Mother Talzin again. Ventress says, He has surrendered his life to me. This one is strong. A perfect male specimen. power of it. A tremendous gift from the galaxy, Mother. He will serve us well. A little, like, weird and touchy in this scene, too. I was like, ugh. You don't see this very often in film. If this was a male character doing this to a female, that would... I think we see that in film being super inappropriate. And But here, the genders are kind of flipped. And I mean, it felt super inappropriate to me. But yes, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know why I brought it up in that way. But it's. Uh, I I can't really name a whole lot of movies that you know the, go this road. The only one that I could think of, and it's done totally different, ish, is in Captain America: The First Avenger when he just comes out of the sure. thing and like Peggy Stark goes to <laughs> like t- like sure. like fondle him and then just like pulls back because you know in a very English way of like ooh mustn't do that. But that's the only. As I watched it, I was trying to think of other moments where. This kind of happens, and that was the only thing I could really think of off the top of my head, but intention-wise, they feel very different. Yeah. The image I have is, like, old women at Chippendales, but that's... <laughs> I mean, but I think that's, that's... That is a situation where there's, like, there's power there. Old women have dollar bills, and <laughs> the, there's, there's services being rendered. And are they going to choose Patrick Swayze or Chris Farley? <laughs> that's the dynamic. Another image, I suppose, perhaps to go even darker, is you might do this if you're purchasing a slave, an enslaved yeah. person. Yeah. And that's, 
I think more what's going on. It's like, let's check their teeth. Let's feel their muscles. You're not a human being. I'm sizing up your abilities because I will be using you as a tool. You're looking under the hood. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, I think so too. Well, Talzin then taps Savage on the head with a spell and he falls over into darkness. And we cut to Savage on a table with spells being chanted over him. And this like image is like a sacrificial kind of table. It's something you would see out of one of those like satanic films from the 80s is what <laughs> like the even the green spells are going kind of in this pentagram form over yeah. him kind of made me think of just with the witches it kind of made me think of neil gaiman's stardust the film adaptation even a little bit where there's this big stone table and this kind of helpless person is there while while yeah this kind of incantation weirdness is happening around them yeah awesome fairy tale there is something about that that it's it's different. It feels different. Like at the beginning of Sherlock Holmes, the one with uh, Robert Downey Jr., there's a scene like this. There's a woman who's on a table, and there's a spell being set over her, and she grabs a knife to kill herself. Yeah, it just meant it's, it's unsettling. Yes. And again, it's a great addition to Star Wars that it comes out of nowhere. It's like a palate cleanser. It's like, whoa, what's this? You know? Yes. Hey, well done, Katie Lucas. <laughs> Good job. Well, the witches are, again, they're chanting, they're casting the spell. The power is visible. I had a question for you on this, just watching the scene. Is Mother Talzin the most powerful female that we've seen in Star Wars? Yes, I, I, I think so. I feel like I want to ask some clarifying questions, but like the most yeah. powerful magic user, then probably yes. Most powerful at this point maybe is the answer to that. Cause I feel like we're going to see how much power is amassed by a character like Ahsoka. Uh-huh. We continue to see how much power a character like, uh, even like Bo-Katan has. And I think, but I think magic wise, yes, probably. I mean, that's, up to this point, I guess I'll say up to this point, yes, I think you're right. Her, even, I think those are two good examples. I hadn't even thought of Ahsoka. And where Ahsoka will eventually get, or where Bo-Katan will eventually get. But this, again, it feels like, you know, the Queen of Thorns, just rich with wisdom, experience, and then she has this power. She has this physical power in this galaxy, which is is fairly impressive. She's creating out of nothing a warrior who's going to quickly dispose of Jedi. Yeah, just, seriously, just mow them down like they're dandelions. That's some uh, manufacturing skill right there. So. <laughs> well, the the Night Sister's spell lifts him in the air, lots of green mystical special effects surrounding him. Got some Bruce Banner going on for me here. Good man who's going to turn into a monster, apparently. Yeah. And he arises a little bit more swole than he was before. Yes. And and to to call back to your uh, evil briar patch comment from before. Yeah. Got that going on on, uh, on the on the head as well. Yes. The the horns of elongated Sh- yeah. shows a little bit more maturity. I yeah. Suppose. Ready to uh, 
I was going to say ready to mate. I don't know what the hell I thought of that for. <laughs> Maturity, I guess that's what I was thinking. I think this is actually part of the, when Asajj, when Asajj picks him, I, I think I read something to the extent of this, this is a double, this is like a black widow. You are both my servant and my partner in this maternal, it's a, a matriarchy, you know? Oh, interesting. That's not, well, that's interesting. It doesn't, I, I don't know that it ever comes about or gets consummated or anything like that. That's not their story moving forward, but I don't know. The the, the selection process of her going out there, I want to say that was part of it in terms of Doesn't some of the one lore. of the characters say that? Maybe it's not in this episode. Maybe it's in the next one, but when they show up and say, where is this character? And they say, lady showed up, took him for a mate. Doesn't, didn't they say that? Or am I totally wrong? I think that may, we'll, we'll come back to it. If we, we'll, we'll point it out next time if it's there. Well, Talzin says, He is ready, sisters. Look at the strength in him. The power. And he just reaches over and starts strangling Ventress. Let me go. Calmly, sister. Let me go. I'm not sure why that was the secret password, but apparently... Nobody likes to be yelled at. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was weird too. I'm not gonna lie to you. I was like, "What? What? Just you gotta be nice." Is that what these awful <laughs> people's message is here? Don't show fear. You're the one that's in control. Maybe because oh. he maybe maybe part of the magic is is he is enslaved in some ways to the magic. Yeah. Yeah, there's like a submissive. If it's if he's able to recognize that you're in control, then he can't harm you. Yeah, and then there's a move in the episode. And I remember both times that I've watched this, I watched it a few years apart, but both times it, it hit me, oh, I wasn't expecting that. And I even knew where it was kind of going, but I, did, I had forgotten this part of the episode. But it, the move here, I think, is just great storytelling. Bring in the prisoner. Now, for the final test. Oh, man. I, I, and I, see, I watched this for the first time two days ago and then again today. And both yeah. times... Like you said, I was like, I know exactly what this is going to be. And, uh, oh, oh. <laughs> it just crushed you. Final test. There were three tests, you said, but this is the fourth test, of course. This is the extra credit. <laughs> that's right. And the prisoner that's brought in is Farrell. And once we see him, we know exactly what's going to happen. And you're, and you're right. It's just the, okay, we're, we're, we're going to have to watch this scene play out because we know how it's going to go. Yeah, it's, yeah. Oh. Feral kind of begs. Savage. And Ventress says, Kill him. Savage, you know me. I am your kin. Do not do this. Asajj backhands him. I said, Kill him. Which again, a big turn from like, speak to him calmly and don't be uh, <laughs> irrational to, to then That's... hitting him in the face and be like, do what I said. Maybe it is a confidence thing as opposed to out of weakness. But there you go. Yeah, that's that's not calm. Yeah, that's awful. <laughs> Brother, please! You make weakling! Not only strangles him, but snaps his neck with a single hand. And what hit me here is just like Anakin... Once he turned, 
the new acolyte, that's what he is, and that's what Anakin was, they they strangle their lover. They strangle this person that they cared about. So Savage strangles Feral, Anakin strangles Padme. Yeah, it's like that's the final step. Again, with this episode being called Monster, it's like that's the final step you have to take to sort of lose your humanity in air quotes yeah. with this character but like that's the that's the final step you've got to take to lose that is kill the thing that actually connects you to your humanity and that's when the the sith slash the dark side gets you like it's that final piece you've got to be willing to get rid of even though that's the thing you were trying the hardest to protect yeah you want to talk about loyalty tests this is a this is a dark image of kill the person you love most as a loyalty test. Yeah, sell out your sell out your family or your country or your whatever whatever whatever. Yeah. To there's a great example of that in uh Adam McKay's film Vice of of kind of a weird loyalty test with one of the Cheney sisters with Liz Cheney running running for office and and getting sort of beaten up over the issue of uh gay marriage and then yeah, suddenly yeah, yeah and yeah. then suddenly you know, gets kind of told from up above the, in this case, the up above being the dad, Dick Cheney. Here's your loyalty test to the party. Sell, sell her out and, and say Mm -hmm. you're, you're in favor of the party platform. And it's just this heartbreaking, horrifying moment of like this loyalty test and it betraying somebody who's so meaningful to her, her sister. And I think this is kind of like that as well. Most famous of these is Abraham being asked to sacrifice Isaac. Hmm slaughter this this your your child and the the way that that works in genesis ends up being interesting because the the sacrifice isn't received um but it's still there you know yes Um, and of course this same command happens in the last episode sidious says to dooku i need you to kill your apprentice it's the way of the dark as a and it's totally a loyalty test that's what sidious says at the end there You've proven your loyalty to me. Thanks. Hang up. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it matters so little to the person asking for it, and it takes everything from the person who has to do it, and it's just so hideous. That's the function. It's not just testing loyalty. It's also demoralizing somebody so that they don't have volition anymore. Yeah. And if you force them in this loyalty test, you force them to kill one of the few things they care about, suddenly there's nothing they care about, and nothing stands in the way of them... Doing your bidding. Yeah. Anakin's going to go into the Jedi Temple and slaughter younglings. How do you come back from that? Like, can where what, what atoning waters do you get to bathe in to, to come back from that in this galaxy? Well, you got to kill your master by throwing him <laughs> down the shaft of the Death Star, and then apparently <laughs> all right. is forgiven. I'll be curious if all is forgiven on that. that, that we, we obviously will get into that because that's central to... How do we how do we think about Anakin at the end of all this? <laughs> so in like six years, folks, you can hear us talk about that. <laughs> That's right, we're on it. Good. Very good. You will learn to draw your strength from your emotions. Hate will feed you. Never sympathize with the enemy. Not even for a moment. Yes, sister. Very, very one-sided approach to emotions, though. Like, every time I hear that, I always think, I'm like, you know, there are other emotions, like <laughs> like joy? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, 
just this got to do the spectrum of emotions, not just anger and and sadness. Haven't you seen Inside Out? You need all of them. <laughs> I don't think the Sith are Pixar watchers encur- encouraging holistic living. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> Is there an HR department somebody can go to for that? Well, Towson comes in and says to Savage, For you and enchanted blade, blessed with our most potent magics. I think it's time we introduce the apprentice to his new master. Wouldn't you agree? And Savage takes the axe, which looks like one of those vibro axes the Gamorrean guards hold in Jabba's palace. Although this one's kind of more ancient, less technological. It feels like it's a mystical weapon. Yeah. Took me forever to look up all those words, by the way. That's not me (laughs) just bringing that out from the top of my head. I'm like, what are those pig dudes called? Very impressive. (laughs) And they're like, I have pulling out the Star Wars encyclopedia for weapons and I've, all, my whole life have just called them the pig guards. Yeah, they're the pig guards. And that's suffice. <laughs> Nobody's ever been like, "Who do you mean?" <laughs> those those are my favorites, I think. I was, uh, me too. Of, big big fan as a kid. Love the look of those. They got the like just the masks, like they've got the yeah. like Vaseline and just like viscous <laughs> crap all over the face. like oh, it's just so gross and and perfect. Just great great um, mix of puppetry and performance. Yeah. Had me some Kenner. Yep. Gamorian guards. And yep. They're just a delight. Well, we cut to a ship flying to Dooku's home world and arriving in his castle. Dooku. At last. Begin. Another Matrix line. I don't know why I'm getting into the Matrix here. I think that uh, I like, think Katie Lucas was watching some Matrix while she was I also feel like the word movie. at last probably is in a lot of other movies, but yeah, sure. <laughs> the, the guy walks in and you're like, at last. <laughs> There's going to be some Morpheus here. He's going to teach him Kung Fu. Heck yeah. How to, how, to, how to use his mind to pick up objects. And I, I suppose there's no jumping off of buildings, but Talzin says, Kung Tuku, may I present Savage Opress. Savage, by the way, which is spelled savage and oppress. It's kind of, it's a little on the nose for sure in terms of the bad guy name. Why not just call him Savage? Like why, <laughs> why even go Savage? If you want to just be that yeah. like heavy handed, be like, this is Savage blood on his hands guy. It's like Cruella DeVille kind of, you just make it French and it works. <laughs> you know what I hated about Tangential? <laughs> the prequel Cruella movie, that's not even what her name is. They change it to they change it to Deville because one of the characters steals an old coupe Deville, and they're like, "Hey, this car is called Devil," and they're like, "It's Deville." And I was like, "Mother, oh, it's so much better when it's just that's the name. Holy crap, that's wild and evil." And then you just ah, oh. go over explain. I was so mad. I hate to I hate to do this to you, but that's my least favorite moment in Solo as well when uh, he's signing up for the military. Oh, and and it's like you could totally and he says something to the extent of 
What's your name, son? Hunt. Um, what? Who are your people? I don't have people. I'm alone. And you didn't need to do anything else. You didn't need to do anything else. <laughs> Everyone knows what's on the, the poster, the movie yeah, poster. We tells know you the guy's I name. <laughs> I, I agree with you on that one, actually. But it's a similar, similar misstep. Come on. Seriously. So Savage steps down the ramp, cracks the stone in front of Dooku with his axe, which looks expensive to me. Like, having done stonework, I'm, yeah, that's I'm, not cheap. it's kind of heartbreaking. <laughs> there needs to just be like a cutaway shot to like the, the sort of groundskeeper. Who just, Come on, what? <laughs> Why would you do that? You want to pee on the rug too, pal? Yeah, yeah. I guess whatever. My job doesn't matter. Go ahead, throw some garbage down, too. Dookie says... He certainly is a sight to behold. The fiercest of his kind, my lord. He shall serve you well. Yes, he shall. We cut inside. Mother Talzin speaks very highly of your skills. Still, I require proof of your abilities as a warrior. And a hologram appears of the target. The Jedi are in control of a vital outpost on the jungle planet of Deveron. A temple. A temple. Because, of course, we have ethics, we have morals. You don't attack religious shrines in this culture or in our culture. That's bad form. It truly is. Unless, of course... You want to take a picture in front of a church? (laughs) Unless, of course, those in charge say... Do not be fooled, Savage. The Temple of Edith serves only as a front for the military operations of the Republic. It is essential that we seize the Temple if the Separatists ever hope to take control of that corner of the galaxy. You shall go to Deveron and take what is rightfully ours. Yes, my lord. They could have done all sorts of stuff in my mind. And it's, again, I'm showing you more and more how this character, who was a good character all of 15 minutes ago, goes from killing somebody close to him to now he is being weaponized to destroy religious buildings without, you know, all you have to do is say, well, I think there's bad guys who use that space. Yeah. Also, something in there might be ours. Yeah, yeah, and and that's and that's Dooku's line there. It's like this is ours. It's not yours. It's, it's this yeah. other cultures. Yeah. No, no, it's ours because I want it. It just it's it's valid, not validation. It's um, it's it's what pr- if the proverb at the beginning is the thesis statement. This yeah. is all proving it, right? Like monsters are made, not created. Or excuse me, monsters are created, not born. Truth. Well, we cut to a battle already in progress with clones and battle droids. And all of a sudden, we're back in the universe that we're really familiar with. And it was just a, such a palate cleanser for me mm-hmm. to go, oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, this is going gonna, on, too. <laughs> we're going to slam these two suckers together. Yeah. Deveron is a new location for us. It's a planet that's forested with these very large vines. And clones are taking fire, and they're protecting the temple, and we see battle droids advancing. But Savage arrives, and Dooku's, you know, in his yacht, and just begins cutting apart clones. Yeah, just going through them like they're made out of 
nothing paper. Jedi. At the door of the temple stands a Jedi and his Padawan, and we see a very similar scene to what we see in the traumatic flashback with Ventress in the last episode, where her master is going to get killed in front of her, and how emotionally devastating that is. Absolutely. And here we are. Savage focuses in on Jedi Master Redshirt. <laughs> Actually, his name is Master Halsey. And his apprentice is Knox. Halsey and Knox. Those are two good cop names, I think. That is my favorite uh, British detective drama. <laughs> Halsey and Knox. No, it's not. It just sounds like it should be. Halsey and Knox. One of them is like a child, and the other one of them is like a crotchety guy that runs a bookstore that has to like <laughs> investigate a murder. <laughs> that is what that sounds like. Well, Savage and Halsey begin fighting. And Savage kills Halsey. Knox screams at the death of his master, and it's very reminiscent of Obi-Wan yelling no as he sees Qui-Gon go down. Or Luke seeing Obi-Wan go down. I guess that's true. Yeah, both of them. Uh, Nox then goes and attacks Savage, and he is quickly dispatched and thrown to the side. And yeah, Savage... that, kid, that kid did not have a chance, but, yeah, but was... good for him. Not, not quite as skilled as Obi-Wan, I suppose. And we see an image of Savage, and he's just surrounded by the bodies of Jedi and clone. And droids. Like, when he runs in there, man, like, he just, I guess he's just such a, uh, he's such a precision killing instrument that he doesn't, he's like smashing large battle droids out of his way as if they're, as if they're uh, nothing. Yeah. If this is like a film and you see a human being who's just, you know, surrounded by the bodies of warriors all around him and then he pulls out his cell phone and calls his boss. That's what's going on here. And that's what he does. And the hologram appears of Dooku. My lord. Is it finished? Yes. The temple has been taken. And the Jedi? Dead. Very impressive, Savage. Return to Sereno immediately. Very well, my lord. All business. It is. No emotion there. There's no joy there, as we were saying before. You know, it's just, I need you to destroy. And come back to get your orders to go destroy more. It's not a very uh, happy, satisfying, fulfilling life <laughs> there for Savage ahead. Not at all. Will we cut back to Dooku's castle? You have done well, Savage. I'll have much use for you. Thank you, my lord. I foresee we will do great things together. I shall teach you the ways of the dark side. Soon your powers will rival that of the great Sith Lord Darth Maul. We will be even more powerful than Lord Sidious. False. False is right. This also, I said this earlier that you know, Dooku said his apprentice was for protection, but here he's just saying, here's my plans and ambitions. I suppose maybe he's giving Savage a little bit of value, saying you are you have what it takes, kid. No, I think it's all just, I mean, I guess, sure, yeah, you have what it takes to be a tool for me. Yeah, I mean, that, that you know, but again, I think it all is like I said, it's like a 50 50. What is he thinking about more that time? Is he thinking about being afraid or is he thinking about 
weaseling any way he can to get more power. And I think they both go hand in hand and feed into each other. Because if, if he gets powerful enough to get rid of Darth Sidious, then he doesn't have to be afraid of screwing up and being killed by Darth Sidious, which he has almost done three times by this yeah. point in, in our in our binge list. Yep. Truth. He's just a he's just a opportunistic loser. Truth. But he still has grand ambitions. That's the worst kind of opportunistic loser. <laughs> Glorious purposes. Yes. But Loki is not an opportunistic loser. He just loses because that's what he thinks he has to do. We shall rule the galaxy together, my apprentice. I am your servant, master. Cut to credits. I like where this ends. Yeah. It does feel, it feels like, uh, you know, it's this, the second act is done. Mm-hmm. We're going to move into something coming up. Wait till next time. Yes. Well, last words on this, uh, on this episode? Yeah, I think you really just get to see how Dooku, Ventress, and even to a degree Mother Talzin, how these sort of people who are steeped in the dark side of the Force, how, how just expendable everybody around them is and, and how their end goal justifies every single thing they can do in destroying people's lives and and they're turning people into monsters but really they're the monsters yeah but they've been made into monsters by other people like it's just this the dark side of the force is just this big vicious circle of of hurting people and and uh, and othering them into being monsters they should have watched inside out that's my that's gonna be my last comment (laughs) you need all the emotions gang there's something about these kind of stories that focus there there aren't a lot of jedi in this story I, no they're there for a just a brief moment these are stories about the villains deep dives into the villains and even the conflict is between villains as it were and there's uh, there's there's something here about like the world has been built up so much that you can tell other stories specifically about villains and so that's what we're seeing with loki um, you know, let's let's dive into that character. Or even, I mean, um, you know, Infinity War is certainly Thanos' movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very uh, much so. I It's arguable that Black Panther isn't T'Challa's movie, but it's um, Najatika's movie, you know? There's something about, like, great, like, when you can get there, I think it's interesting. Pulp Fiction is that way for me. Or even Reservoir Dogs, I suppose. Like, the, the there's some, a lot of Tarantino stuff. Is, let's just jump in with the villains for a minute. Or the shoot, the Godfather movies. Or Breaking Bad. We're gonna, I mean, the, the it's not that this arc competes with those, but <laughs> that in Star Wars, we, we don't necessarily go down that road. Yeah, I agree. One of the, we'll probably mention it in the future, but you know, there's a there was going to be an eight episode arc with Asajj Ventress and Dooku and an assassination attempt on Dooku's life. It was going to be eight episodes. I really hope that Disney puts that out as a uh, yeah, as a I movie. Would, I would love to see that. It's out as a book right now. I don't want to read. I just want to <laughs> watch it. <laughs> I, but that's a, that's where I'm at. Also, I just, there's they got the they got the technology. Yeah, they certainly got the fan base. Yeah. 
time uh they certainly if they wanted to there's two big things that they could do with stuff they weren't able to create in the clone wars and it'd be the dark disciple stuff and it's the there's some stuff with maul um which we we mentioned in uh, the siege of mandalore where he's yes. in prison yeah i think that would be so interesting to watch play out i hasten to say i'm i'm not a i'm not a reading is important I just want to. I, I said that like I don't ever read. I do, but like I want to see that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think that's exactly right. And yeah, I agree. I hope they. I hope they get a chance to, you know, to throw money that way because just uh, build that up. I know it's something. That's a story that a ton of people really get into. And Ventress needs the thing. The thing about Ventress, Ventress needs. She has somewhat of a culminating story but she needs she needs something solid there at the end agreed clone wars animation let's let's get this together lucasfilm you could throw <laughs> you could throw a few million dollars at that you uh, take some of that disney plus money disney all the, plus all the people who paid to see to rent cruella and were wildly disappointed <laughs> I, to be to be fair that was not me i saw it in a movie theater and it was significantly cheaper <laughs> well but, next time we're going to wrap up this arc, and we're going to wrap up what we are calling Act 1 of the Binge. So this is the last episode of Students for us. We will take a 15-minute intermission. Uh, please do not bring <laughs> anything with a wrapper back after uh, that intermission is over. We're going from this spot where we're looking at the lives of students and them just getting on their feet as plucky teenagers. And all the stuff we're going to in the future is very dark. And... Uh, I mean, a lot of the Clone Wars is really dark, but we've specially selected the yeah, the darkest of the dark. Our part two is called darkness. Part three is called betrayal. So it doesn't necessarily get any better. But part, part four is called everyone you care about die. <laughs> it's, it's like in uh, what's that Christopher Guest movie with the Mighty Wind, where uh, that one actor is uh, playing the very emotionally disturbed folk artist and all of his album covers keep getting worse it's like calling it quits oh yeah yeah you know? uh, eugene levy's character <laughs> yeah, uh, mitch yeah mitch well next time we'll pick up with witches in the midst which is season three episode 14 which is these are all <laughs> actually placed in order unlike a lot of the <laughs> arcs and that's where we're going so anything else uh no i don't think so i'm excited I'm excited to talk about it. Bang. Hey, friends, as with all podcasts, this one's only going to survive if you share it with one person that you care about. If you do that, it means the world to us and allows us to keep doing this. The music is by John Williams, Samuel Kim, Ludwig Gorenson, and the great Kevin Kiner. All Star Wars material is created by the phenomenal artists at Lucasfilm, and you can find the links to all of our stuff at StarWarsBinge.com, and you can share your thoughts with us on the Twitter. So that's what I got. You got anything else? I'm going to say, uh, also, you can share it with people you don't like because uh, <laughs> a listen is a listen, and I will take a hate listen if we get it. <laughs> so just send it to any and everyone. He's Daniel Mother said. No, leave that He's... in. That was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> He's Daniel Mother said. This one is strong. A perfect male specimen. The latter half of that is dead on the money. The beginning, uh, it's generous. And I'm Jeff Cook. Right, I see who gets taken by the sexy Robin Hood. You know why? 
Because this is the way. This is the way. Apparently in the Star Wars universe, this is the way. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> We killed that, and we killed this in two hours, man. We're we're getting good at this, uh, except for when TJ's with us. <laughs> we had over four hours of material to to knock out with the lost ones part two. <laughs>